My name is Brad, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church, and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power. Enjoy the message. So if you were here uh, last week, Pastor Brad mentioned that he is on vacation for the next little bit. Um, and so for the next couple of weeks, I will be up here preaching, um, for good or for bad. And uh, we've arranged for a couple other people to come in and guest speak as well. Maria Kaibel and uh, uh, Rufus Idowu is, is coming in to speak to, to us as well. Um, but I mentioned that in order to encourage you to be in prayer for Pastor Brad and their family, um, as this would be a time of refreshing and rest for them, that Jesus would be speaking to them, and that Brad would return with a new energy, new vision, and his body and mind would have a chance to rest. Um, I'm going to start, start out by praying for them now, and I encourage you to keep, keep that prayer going over the next few weeks for them. So, Lord, we thank you for Brad and the, the Bristol family, that they are a treasure to us and our church. Lord, I pray as they take this time away that they would be able to, to rest, that they would find renewal in you, that they would find encouragement that they would find new vision, and that they would just be energized for, for the work ahead. Lord, as it's been a long time since Brad has been able to take a vacation, Lord, I pray that this one would just be so restful and encouraging and renewing for him and, and the family, that they would grow in you during this time away, but that they would also grow together. Lord, that they would uh, become stronger just as a family because of this time that they get to spend together. Lord, I pray that uh, we would hold them up in prayer, that we would remember to, to hold them up, and that we would be, be able to encourage them when they come back with that, just the, the fire from you, that they would be ready to go and, and ready to, to do your work as you've called them to. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be honest, I have no idea why I got a little emotional there, but it, it happens. That's just what I do, apparently. Uh, so this week, we are going to continue our sermon series called All Grown Up. Uh, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and the next one in line is peace. Now, in talking about peace, if you've been with us over the last uh, few months, you might remember that Pastor Brad did a whole sermon series on peace. I'm not just going to reiterate what he said, because um, he did a great job. And hopefully I don't repeat him too much, um, but there might be some familiar pieces, because we're talking about the same subject. Uh, but hopefully I can bring another more 
complementary perspective to what Brad has already t taught us on the topic of peace. And I want to go back to the verse that, that Pastor Brad used as his, his foundation for his, his ser series on peace um, that Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 27. He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So as we establish kind of a starting point for this morning, uh, we need to keep in mind that the peace we are talking about is not the kind of peace that can be disrupted by noise or circumstance or grumpy babies. I was away last week, uh, my nephew got married, and uh, so I went to go to the wedding, and Trace sends me this picture of Seth, our uh, six-week-old son, with the comment from our other son, Levi, just yelling, I want some peace and quiet. <laughs> the, the peace that comes as the fruit of the Spirit's work in our lives is not the kind of peace that gets disrupted by grumpy babies, but rather it is the kind of peace that comes when you shouldn't have peace, when it doesn't make sense. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Philippian church, um, he's talking about prayer and bringing things before God and, and not being anxious and all those things that can take away from your peace. He says this, he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's the peace that doesn't make sense when you have it. I'll be honest with you, peace is not something that comes terribly easy for me. It's something I have to really work at remembering. I like to do rather than rest. I can get caught up in my own thoughts, the circumstances around me that I can really forget what this peace looks like, what it looks like to live with this peace that just passes understanding. I have perhaps a confession that ties to this. Um, and if Trace wasn't up in the nursery, you'd probably see her nodding away. And I'm sure my mom in the back will be nodding away. But I'm a very particular person. I like things a certain way. I kind of always have. From the placement of my cup beside my plate, it's got to be in the right spot. Or the way my Star Wars collectibles sit on their shelf. Or whether my guitar is maybe so slightly out of tune that nobody else in the world would notice, but I do. Or the stacks of cards being laid out nicely in a board game. I, I really like things a certain way. And when that gets disrupted, I don't particularly appreciate it. I can lose my sense of peace so easy because I like things a certain way. But that's not the kind of peace that we're talking about. That's the kind of peace that the world thinks, yeah, this is peace. It's not the kind of peace that Jesus gives us. It's not the kind that comes from the, work, the fruit 
of the Spirit's work. I'm going to share a story with you about, it's not particularly a boat piece, but you'll see why I'm sharing it when I get there. Um, so some of you might know that our, the birth of our, our son Seth was not um, what you would call ideal. Uh, before I share the, the story, I preface it with the fact that all throughout Tracy's pregnancy with him, I was really praying for a safe delivery and a healthy baby. And the mistake I made was not being specific enough. <laughs> I won't get into all of the details because you don't want to know all of the details. But through weird circumstances, Seth came way faster than we had anticipated. Um, Tracy was having contractions the night before, and they were pretty spaced out, and so we weren't particularly concerned. They were like eight minutes apart, and it's like, well, that's just par for the course, and you got to wait until it starts getting closer. Um, but as we, through the night, we fell asleep, woke up, and was like, oh, we're, we're really going. Um, this is time to get moving. So got up, got Levi ready, and of course he had to go and or searched the whole house to gather things that he wanted to bring to Nana's house. And he was, you know, I don't have a particular son at all either. Um, <laughs> uh, might be my fault, probably. So he and I, after he's scoured the house for all of his Star Wars toys, um, we drive to my mom's house. It's about a 20-minute round trip. Um, and... You know, all of this time, Tracy's progressing and starting to get along. Um, so when I got back home, well, the, the, the kid was ready to come. So uh, being slightly logical in my mind, I'm like, okay, what are the options? I, get, I drive, get stuck in traffic, and we have the baby in the car. We drive, and it's okay, we make it. Or I call an ambulance. And as I was contemplating the options for probably four seconds. It felt like longer. Tra saw how Trace was doing. I was like, you know what? We're calling the ambulance. So I, so I called the ambulance, and I'm on the phone with the, the dispatch lady, and she tells me to check on a few things, and this is when I begin to realize I might have to catch this guy. It's like, all right, here we go. So she tells me to gather things, just towels. Um, that's easy. A shoelace, that's unsanitary. The only shoelaces I could think of were on shoes. I didn't have any shoelaces elsewhere. So I start gathering towels and thinking, where do I get something to shoelace-ish? Um, I was like, oh, a hoodie string will work. We'll, we'll do that. But as I'm like, OK, which hoodie do I want to sacrifice? Um, <laughs> Trace has another contraction, and it's it's a good one. And so I go and check. And then I'm like, OK, this kid is coming. So I abandon any further search. No hoodies were sacrificed in the making of this kid. It, it's OK. I got ready, prepared to catch. It was a good time. That's when I heard the sound of the siren. I was like, oh, yeah, this is good. So as they arrived, I realized I should have been flooded with relief. This should have been just the most relief I've felt in my life. But that's when I realized I actually didn't need to be. 
I realized this whole time I should have been freaking right out. Should have, I was not prepared for this in any way, shape, or form, but I wasn't. I realized through, that my, through my totally not specific enough prayers, Jesus had given me his peace. Convenient that Pastor Brad had been preaching about peace over this past little while, so thanks for that, Brad. I really appreciate it. But less than five minutes after the ambulance arrived, Seth was born. So I did almost have to catch him, but I, I got out of that one. But as I look back and think about what was going through my mind, there's no way I should have been as calm as I was through the whole situation. It was just like going about, doing the things that I needed to do, getting ready. Um, Trace maybe have, has a different story, but my brain was calm. I might have been running around. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I realized that Jesus had answered my prayers as things were settling down and things were coming to, to the conclusion we were heading back or off to the hospital where he should have been the whole time. Um, that he had been with me and with us the whole time and answered my prayers. I prayed for a safe. He was safe. Prayed for healthy. He was healthy. Maybe not how I saw it, but that's how it that's how he saw it. But true peace is not about being calm or the absence of conflict. It's about the presence of Jesus being with us. We can't manufacture the peace that Jesus talks about, that he promises. We can only achieve it through walking with him through the circumstances of life. This morning, we're going to take a look at a familiar psalm, Psalm 23, and probably the most familiar passage of Scripture in the Bible, I, I would wager. Um, while Psalm 23 never mentions the word peace, I believe that it shows us what walking in peace really looks like. So, one thing I want you to notice as we walk through Psalm 23 is that in all of it, how David speaks about how the Lord is right with him the whole time. So we'll start in verse 1, where you should start. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So David starts out by calling God his shepherd. So this is a position that David was intimately familiar with. If you know the story of David, he was a shepherd. David knows the ins and outs of all of what he is giving to God in calling him his shepherd. But it's also not particularly a position of stature. Shepherds were not thought of very highly. It wasn't a, a position that people aspired to as like, I'm going to be a shepherd. It's kind of like a fisherman. Nobody really aspired to either of those jobs. Partly, I think, because sheep don't have the reputation of being the smartest animals. They're kind of kind of dumb. They just follow each other around and get lost. But in conjunction with that, so David puts these two things together, and he says, I shall not want. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want means that God has provided. That because God is his shepherd... God has done the things he needed so that David had no wants. So the shepherd, the shepherd has to provide for 
the sheep. He guides them, he leads them to safe places without them wandering off. He realizes that sheep are quite stubborn and he has tools to keep them on the right path. It's a pretty hands-on job. So God, choosing to use this, this title as, of shepherd, which he uses for himself several times in the Bible, um, goes to show how he has chosen to care for us and to guide us. Because let's be real honest here. We can be pretty stubborn too. <laughs> in verse 2, it says, he makes... Ooh. Well, I just jumped twice. Okay. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. As I was reading some commentaries on Psalm 23, one of the, the commentators noted that sheep actually don't lie down very often. They have to have some conditions met before they will lie down. Things like food. They need food. They need to feel safe. They need to not have any kind of pests or bugs annoying them. And the, the, the one interesting thing is that they need to not be mad at other sheep. If the sheep, if there's strife in the flock, they won't relax. They will not lie down. Um, so I found that very interesting for our own lives. Sometimes if we're a little grumpy, maybe we need some food. Maybe we need to feel safe. Maybe we need to get rid of the bugs. And maybe we need to make things right with other people. So in order for sheep or us to relax or lie down, those needs must be met. And that's parallel to us. So God wants to lead us to places where we can lie down, where we can relax, where we can be in the stillness of his presence. Because in the presence of Jesus, we can have comfort, care, and rest. This thing is going crazy today. We can have that true peace that we we're talking about because we are with him. So he continues on in verse 3. He says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Peace isn't just about being calm in difficult circumstances. Peace is about being in the presence of Jesus so that he can restore us. There's so many things in our lives that can come between us and our relationship with Jesus. That will consequently come down and damage our peace. If we allow things like sin or bitterness or anger to come between us and God, we will, we will find ourselves with a lack of peace. That's, that's a guarantee. But not only that, if we choose not to spend time with Jesus and allow things like social media, work, play, and other people to become a higher priority than him, we will again, we will lack peace. Through being in Jesus' presence, he wants to restore your soul. He wants to make things, the things, those burdens that are causing you to lack, he wants to replace them 
with himself. He promised this in Matthew 11, where he said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The only way this exchange happens is if we are spending time in the presence of Jesus. And don't get me wrong, Sunday morning is right and good, and I would encourage you and, in fact, call you to be at church. But it's got to be so much more than that. It can't just be a couple hours one day a week. Walking with Jesus takes time. It takes effort in order to see the fruit of what's coming. He wants you to know what that restoration feels like. He wants you to know what that peace feels like. He wants you to know what his presence feels like. But we need to put in the effort to make that happen. So it continues on in Psalm 23 in verse 4. He says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Those are the tools that I was talking about earlier, the rod and the staff. Those are what the shepherd uses to guide the sheep and direct them in the proper path. So I want to point out a couple things about this verse. The first thing I noticed as I read this verse was David says walk. He doesn't say he's not running through the valley of the shadow of death. He's not marathoning through the valley of the shadow of death. He is walking. There's something important to, to realize about that. Because of the presence of Jesus, we can walk through the difficult times. We don't have to run. We don't have to panic. We don't have to make our way through, but we can walk with him through those difficult times. That God is allowing him to walk instead of run because he's in his presence. The second thing he says, he talks about the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. So I feel like this is a little bit prophetic in David's writing that through Jesus' work on the cross, death doesn't have any substance anymore. That Jesus took that upon himself and now death is a shadow because of the hope of eternity. And the other thing I noticed was that there's, there is something that has to be present in order for a shadow to exist. Light. Through the most trying times in our lives, we can be confident that he is with us. It's like the song Waymaker says. It says, even if I don't see it, you're working. So Jesus promised us in Matthew 28 that he is with us always to the end of the age. Whenever that's going to be, he'll still be there. We have a God who wants to be with us. He's not some far-off deity that just 
set everything up and lets it go, sees how it turns out. But he, want, he is with us, he is present, and he works in our lives. He is here, and he wants to work in us to bring the fruit of the Spirit and uh, the fruit of, of people, of souls, to bear. Psalm 23 continues. It says in verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. It's an interesting idea here that you would eat in the presence of enemies. It's not like a video game where you can pause and if food is how you gain health back, you can pause and eat food and then be good to go. It doesn't work like that. We, we can't pause life. The, the interesting thing is that normally if enemies are there, there wouldn't be something so formal or relaxed that David paints a picture of here. He's preparing a table in the presence of the enemies. Eating in the presence of an enemy would, wouldn't be something fun. It would be something that's done in suspicion or haste. Just, you know you need food, so you scarf it down while there's, there's problems. But because the host who set the table is God, it becomes something very different. So notice that nowhere in this picture do the enemies go away. But God prepares the table and the meal is had. That would put forward that in our lives, sometimes our enemies are not actually people. But rather they can be anxiety or contention or anger or bitterness, pain or brokenness. These feelings can be the thing that takes us away from the presence of God. Despite those things being on our doorstep, God is, is coming and bringing peace. He wants us to feel peace rather than these other things. But he doesn't necessarily take those things away before the meal is had. Like when Peter walked on the water, the storm was still present. The waves were still crashing, but Peter had his eyes on Jesus and he could walk on the water. And in the presence of Jesus, we can be then poured into. When our eyes are on him, all else can fade away. The enemies, the crashing waves, everything can fade away. In verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So since Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross... And his resurrection, we have become the house of the Lord. He has chosen to dwell in us. So I believe that while Psalm 23 does not mention the word peace, I think it paints a beautiful picture of what it looks like to walk in peace. When we think of, about peace in the terms of it being one of the fruit of the Spirit, there's something we, we have to consider along with that. Peace comes from setting our hearts and our minds on the Spirit, 
And that's where our eyes are, that's where our focus is. During his discussion about setting our minds on the things of the Spirit, not the flesh, uh, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, 6. He says, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. When we foc- our focus is not on the things of the Spirit, we will sink. We will lose our peace, like Peter, when he was walking on the water, took his eyes off of Jesus. But when Peter's eyes were on Jesus, he walked on water, despite the storm. Or when David's eyes were on God, he ate in the presence of his enemies, despite their being enemies. In our lives, where our focus is, will determine where our peace comes from, whether it's from Jesus or from the world. And Jesus is true, the world is fragile. When our focus is on Jesus and what he is doing, peace is a natural byproduct. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your promises. Thank you that you've promised to give us a peace that's not just this fragile, circumstantial peace that can be easily taken away, but it's your peace, the peace that is beyond circumstance, it's beyond understanding, it's beyond just things happening around us. Lord, we thank you that you have made a way for us to have this peace, that we can be in the presence of all sorts of things in our own minds or in in the world around us, but we can still have your peace throughout the circumstances. Whether it makes sense or not, we can still have it. So Lord, as we go from here and we return to the normal life, would you help us to see where you are providing that peace? Where we can be walking with you through the hardest things we face. The the difficult things of life can be walked through in peace because you are walking with us. Lord, would you help us to keep our eyes and our focus and our hearts set on you and that we would take the time to know you and take the time to understand what you are doing and understand where you are leading us. God, we thank you that you're not a distant God, that you did not set up the world and leave it as it is, but you are actively working and actively moving even when we can't see it. And that you are the light that causes the shadow. And if we have to walk through the shadow, we know that the light is right behind it. That you are with us and walking through it. So Lord, we thank you that you walk with us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I could write a melody that all of heaven's choir sings. Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go. HillsideAirdrie.ca is our website, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at HillsideAirdrie. You can also look us up on YouTube and find all of our messages on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to connect to the pastoral team at Hillside, you can do that through our website, hillsideairdry.ca, and click on About Us in the main menu, and then click on Our Pastors. 
We're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. As family, we go. At best, it all means nothing. With our love, it all means nothing. I can dine with the kings and queens My name go down in history But if I don't have love It means nothing So take the old and make me new Show me how to love like you Cause if I don't have love It means nothing If I can I love myself yeah. If I won't move When my brother cries out for help yeah. If I'm too proud to forgive Before the sun goes down Then this life that I'm living What is it mean now? At best it all means crashing symbol no I don't want to be some empty noise down on my knees Lord I surrender Jesus help me to love with a love like yours I don't want to sound a crashing symbol no, no, no I don't want to be some empty noise Oh, I'm down on my knees Lord, I surrender oh, Help me to love with a love like yours And then it all like I love myself and I want to move when my brother cries out for help don't want to be too proud to forgive before the sun goes down then this life that I've been living what would it mean the best it will all mean something With love, it all means something. Yeah.
all mean something 